Panel three featuring me, KB, my man Pac Jones, Jeff Eisenman. So the name of this panel I came up with, and it's it's about you know the the athlete that the the exceptional athlete that you know had the opportunity, had some things maybe go wrong within their career and show the resiliency, the maturity, and the heart to bounce back from a lot of different situations. And we have my former teammate, Pac-Man Jones, on this panel. Initially, I, wanted, I thought about my initial, my first choice was Ryan Leaf. Um, I met Ryan, I know Ryan, he likes to tell his story, but what made me think of Pac is, um, you know, Coming out of West Virginia, we had the same, he had the same agent as me, Gary Richard. Gary Richard passed away, and Pac was very special to Gary, the way that Gary spoke about him, um, very special. Um, he got to Tennessee. When he got to Tennessee, this guy was on fire. I used to call him the wildest motherfucker I know. <laughs> but that's all love. Um, when Pac was on uh, Tennessee, I remember that first year, you know, in the beginning, it was a little rocky for him because coming out of West Virginia, actually coming out of where he came from, Atlanta, somebody gave you $26 million. And, you know, you, you got a lot of... Depends. Environment has a lot to do with how you're raised. So I'm trying to say this correctly. So, you know, when you have a lot of different... Um, influences that obviously want you to do do well, and you do well, you get to where you get. You get a certain amount of power um, that comes with money and responsibilities as a 21-year-old where you really haven't really learned how to take care of yourself properly, but you got to be a man for all these people. So, you know, I say all that just to give you a brief, brief background on this gentleman to my left because, you know, in my eyes, he's gone through a lot of different phases. And I told him last night that, you know, I just sat back and just watched everything. You know what I'm saying? I was always a supporter. Um, but there are guys within my locker room that were buddy-buddy with him and really thought he was done, counted out, over. So, you know, I'm going to let Pac take the stage. Pac's going to tell you. Pac's going to tell you. <laughs> uh. How y'all doing? Uh, my name is Adam Jones. I'm Pac-Man Jones. Um, I want to say thank y'all for having me also. But just to give y'all a little insight um, on my story, then I'll I, I go on and let you ask the question. Um, um, I'm a young kid from Atlanta, Georgia. I grew up in um, an inner city projects called Boat Rock and Bankhead Court. Um, the Swats. Yeah, she know. Um, it's probably one of the roughest neighborhoods in America. Um, just to make a long story short, um, my dad died right in front of me when I was eight years old. Um, I ended up moving from the projects that I stayed in after his death to an another projects, which was no, no better than the other one. Um, but I grew up playing sports um, was my avenue of getting out of the projects. My grandma did a hell of a job of teaching me something else besides the projects. And um, I've always been the best in, in football, basketball, or, or, or in track. Um, 
But I, I've always had milestones that I had to go through. Like growing up, mentally, I've always grew up with the protection side on me where um, I always, in the back of my head, thinking of protecting, not just me, um, my loved ones too. Um, I did go through a, a tragic situation and, and kind of channeled my energy um, a little bit more in the, in, the, in the wrong way because of, of what I was going through. Um, to make a long story short, um, I had my ups and downs. Um, I couldn't even read till I was nine years old. I could tell you every play or every move that Dion made at nine years old, but I couldn't read a book. So um, I channeled my energy. I stopped watching ESPN, stayed in the house for a whole summer, finally learned how to read. Um, Hooked on Funnies was probably the best thing that ever <laughs> happened to me. <laughs> But uh, my grandma always told me, she was like, man, when you learn how to read, you're going to be special. So I ended up learning how to read, um, ended up making the 1050 on my first time taking the SAT. Um, I was offered by pretty much every school in the nation besides uh, Syracuse <laughs> and Michigan. Um, but um, I ended up going to West Virginia. My grandma passed away my freshman year of college, which was a hard time for me. Um, I was back there talking earlier. You know, I come from an area where I've been paying my mom bills since I was 13 years old. So mentally, I've been the, the man of my house since sixth grade. Um, so I grew up playing sports. Um, actually was getting paid to play sports. Like I would go and play for different AU teams, different football teams, and um, I would get like $200 a touchdown. I would literally score at least four or five touchdowns a game. Like, I probably had two, two games that I didn't have four or five touchdowns. And $800 back then, that was like having $20,000 to me. Um, I ended up going to West Virginia, uh, got in a little trouble when I first got there. Um, ended up playing really good. I was the first defensive player picked in my draft um, by the Titans. Um, six overall pick. Um, when I first... First signed my deal, I had just turned 21. I was, Keith, them used to, they used to torture me when I was 20, but I turned 21, I signed my deal. I was an any city kid that got a black card with probably about $19 million on it. Now remind y'all, not just because I was blind to the fact, it's just because the environment that I was raised in, I wasn't really sharp on certain things as far as Bank cards. I ain't never have a bank card till I got drafted. I know it sounds crazy, but I've never had no one to teach me the, the, the little things. Not I'm talking about life, not football. You get what I'm saying? Like I ain't I don't I don't have a person besides my significant other other that I can call at two in the morning and be like, hey man, my bank card messed up. Da 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 da. So I I've never had that in my life where I had the the, the surroundings or the the outlets, I should say. Um, so, um, what does a kid do when he get $21 million <laughs> at 21? Uh, he goes crazy, and, and, and that's what I did. You know, um, I wouldn't say I went crazy, but I did have a, a, a hell of a time. I made a lot of mistakes, um, but God is good, man. I, I would not be here talking to you guys um, if, if it wasn't a purpose for me being here. Um, I've had truly a, a, a numerous of run-ins. Um, I, I throw this one out there. So when I left Tennessee, 
Um, I left Tennessee my second year. Um, I had to pay back $2 million just to get back into the league. So that's the things that, that's some of the stuff I don't think that the fans get to hear that they should hear. You know, um, basically I was suspended. Every, everybody know I was suspended. I was the poster boy. But only only way that I got back into the league was I was going to have to give uh, Tennessee $2 million. I got a picture of the check that I had to write for $2 million to Tennessee just to get traded to Dallas. So mentally, that, that kind of hurt me a lot, but I had a chance to meet a guy named Jerry Jones. Um, now, remind you, um, a lot of these situations, I caused on my own because I was one of them guys, and Keith would tell you, Keith used to be like, hey, yo, Pat, you need to stop doing that. I'm like, yo, shut up. I ain't trying to hear that, you know? And mentally, because of how, how, how I grew up, you know, I, I've never had no dad in my household to be like, hey, clean up or don't do this. No, I've always been the leader or the alpha male of, of my house since 12 years old. Like, I might not even see my mom for two, three days, but I know I got to cook breakfast and go to school. And so um, it took me a time to, to channel my energy and, and just open my ears up and start listening to certain things and certain people to um, get to where I'm at today. But like I said, I met a guy named Jerry Jones. Um, I was listening to... Um, um, uh, Castillas. Oh yeah, I was listening to Castillas earlier. And um, he was talking about the owners and stuff. So um, I was doing TNA and um, I had a chance to talk to a lady named Miss Dixie, which was the head lady who owned TNA. Come to find out, Jerry Jones was her brother-in-law or something like that, whatever it was when I was doing it. So she said... That's TNA Wrestling. TNA Wrestling, yeah. She asked me, she said, who would you want to play with? I was like, well, if I had a team that I can pick right now, it would be the Cowboys. Remind y'all, I'm suspended right now. Like, I'm waiting to get a job. During his suspension, he became a wrestler. <laughs> what y'all need to know is... This fool had a wrestling <laughs> ring in his yard to I train did. for wrestling. But I've always been like that. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to give 110%. It was funny when they came over and seen it. Like, I really had the lights up in the yard. Like, for real. No, no, for real. Like, Summer Slam. <laughs> for real, for real. So, um, I, uh, I told uh, Dixie, she asked me, she's like, well, who would you like to play with? I was like, I really would like to go to the Cowboys. I had like two weeks left on um, my suspension after when this happened. Um, the next, we had uh, uh, one SmackDown, I forget we had a cage fight, whatever it was. Jerry Jones was in Orlando at the time. He comes to TNA, say, man, hey, I heard you want to play with Dallas. I literally damn near shit bricks when I seen him because I'm mentally, remind y'all now, I'm 23, been suspended already for a year and a half. I just told this lady two days ago who I want to play with, like I was, really getting like goosebumps, like almost like I was getting drafted again. So um, we had our conversation. Two weeks later, he called me. He said, look, I want you to bring everything you need because when you come here, I don't want you to go back. So um, I told my wife, I said, it look like we got to go to Dallas. And I said, but I'm still suspended. I'm supposed to be there. She said, don't worry about all that. God going to take care of it. So we leave from Atlanta, drive all the way to Dallas with two dogs, um, changed my whole perception on owners, general managers, and all that when I met Jerry Jones. Um, 
what, what that man did for me, like, I didn't realize what he was doing for me at the time because I was blind to the fact. But the day I got there, I stayed in Jerry Jones' $6 million uh, uh, estate by myself. I had two drivers, two security guards. At the point in time, I'm young, you know, so I'm thinking, like, God, I don't have no time to breathe. Like, why is these people around me? Which I didn't realize, like, hey, fool, he trying to take care of you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now, hindsight that I'm older, I'm looking like, God damn, man, this man have basically put a platter out there for me to be successful, you know? And um, it didn't go as planned. Um, I ended up hurting my neck. But one thing I can say, Jerry have always been a top-notch guy to me. Like, right now, me and his assistant probably talk once a week. Um, if needed, if I needed anything, I, I'm quite sure I can get it. Um, I've asked several times and got what I need. But the relationship that he 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 showed me and the things that he showed me helped me a lot. Um, so I left there. I ended up hurting my neck, which people really didn't know what happened in Dallas. Um, I broke my neck and was paralyzed when we played Pittsburgh for two minutes and 30 seconds. Um, so imagine being on the ground, muffling the punt, and you screaming and everything is not, I mean, ain't nothing moving, <laughs> like, it's the worst feeling in the world. Um, so I ended up getting released from Dallas, um, which didn't nobody know that my neck was messed up. Everybody thought I was getting released because of some of the things that happened. I did have one run in it, but that wasn't the reason that I got released. <laughs> so I ended up leaving Dallas. Um, this, was probably, this was probably the hardest time of my life when I left Dallas because mentally I didn't know where I was at. I didn't know was I gonna get another job. I didn't know, if, I had never had heard nobody coming back from having C3, C4 neck surgery. And um, so we go back to Atlanta, um, me and my wife, we get there for about two weeks and just one thing after another, one thing after another. So I, I asked, I said, so what you think? What, what, what you think we gonna do? What, what's gonna happen? She said, you just got to go on faith. So I ended up going to Cincinnati, ended up signing a deal with Cincinnati, knowing that my neck is hurt, though. I get through the first, I think, four or five games, playing in Atlanta, just scored a touchdown, and then I go up, barely touch a dude, boom, I fall down, paralyzed for another three minutes again. At this point, I'm like, Leo, I got to figure out, do I want to play football? Or do I not want to play football? Like life is is, is way more precious than, than to be not able to be able to do what you need to do. So I end up doing a little research. I, I, I found out that I could come back. It, it was a possibility for me to come back from C3, C4 neck surgery. Only person that had came back from that time was Peyton Manny. So I, I ended up having surgery um, that year. Had a hell of a, a hell of a season the next year. Um, made all pro, um, pro bowl, um, pretty much all the accolades you can make after that. Um, had a, a great career in Cincinnati. Um, had a year to play in, in um, uh, Broncos, which was great. But um, now, like, life is, is, is great, man. I have three beautiful little girls. Um, I have two restaurants. Um, I got four other ventures that I'm digging in. But um, my story is for the... I don't know if I can reach someone in here, but I'm just trying to get this story out because I know it's one or two kids somewhere that I can save. Um, and I get kind of a little touching with this part because, like, this is, I don't do this because 
I'm trying to put on something or I'm doing this to save somebody because I didn't have this. So when y'all listen to this, just just hear me out because this is not, this ain't no story you're going to hear every day. This is a passionate story. This is true. This is honest. And it's raw. So I do this because this this is something that that had to help me get through with a lot of things that I've been through. You know, um, I hate talking about my dad because it's very touching. But um, I'm happy to be a part of this. Like I said, um, any questions? Would you want that's, to that, that's the intro. That's the intro for you, folks. That's my dog. That's. Uh... And I think that's just really, Pac-Man, that's just the outline of your story. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, yeah, I, the I, think, I think there's a lot for us to go into here. And you were talking about being a young kid uh, back when you got drafted in 2005. Um, those first two seasons, 2005 and 2006, you were all rookie. I mean, if you were, I was a kid back then. We all wanted to return kicks like Pac-Man Jones. Um, did you feel like you were on top of the world at the time? We should mention there were some legal issues even back from West Virginia that were still lingering around you, but did you kind of feel indestructible? Um, I wouldn't say indestructible. Um, I've always did shit my way, whether it was wrong or right. Um, I just had, I, I had a lot of baggage with me, but I, I've never felt like I was untouchable. You know, um, anybody will tell you that it's been around me. Um, I'm a passionate person, I'm very caring. Um, I'll give you the shirt off my back, but I just do do certain things I just did the way that I wanted to do, and it, it smacked me in my ass, you know? <laughs> so I, let me, <clears throat> what, what Pac-Man, I'm familiar with how you were with Tennessee, so I want you to tell Pac-Man Jones in Tennessee, what was Pac-Man Jones like in Dallas? Pac-Man Jones in Cincinnati? And we know and see who Pac-Man Jones are now, but those three different stages, I think that you learned something from playing with the Titans. You learned something from your experience at Dallas. And obviously, you know, Cincinnati is where you made your home. Um, Tennessee was, it was, it was different because like, I said like this. So I grew up in the project. So I was so used to being around kids every day. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm playing football. I'm around somebody. I'm playing basketball. I'm around somebody. You go to school. You're around some, somebody in high school. You go to college. You're around somebody. And then they give you all this money when you first get to Tennessee until you don't be around nobody. So I had to find a, find a place in Tennessee. I hated being alone, Keith. Like, I, I, I've always... I mean, I always had somebody around. Like in Tennessee, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like myself. I would say I didn't, I didn't want to be by myself. And then when I went to Dallas, um, I fell in love, and and my, my wife and all of that. You know, uh, Dallas was pretty much like Tennessee. Um, and then I went to Cincinnati. Uh, my daughter was born at 22 weeks. That was a, a life changing, um, a life changing experience. Um, that's when the grown-up part came out, you know. Um, they probably told me twice that my daughter wasn't going to make it. Thank God that she's unbelievable, healthy, and safe now. But um, that was the changing part, I would say, of my life when, when Trent came at 23 weeks. Um, that made me grow up, like, really grow up. Like, when, when you're in there and you can't do nothing about it, and, and they tell you, hey, man, you might want to call the priest so we can pray, that, that was a, a life-changing matter. 
And um, then I, I learned how to be alone. Like, it was okay. And I started golfing, you know what I mean? I think golfing had a lot to do with a lot of maturity, too, because, you know, when you're out there on the, the, the golf course, it's just you and the white ball, you know? So you can't argue nobody but yourself. <laughs> um, but, yeah, um, I've matured a lot, man. Um, I'm still have a lot of fire up under me, but I don't pop off as, as, as quick as I used to. Um, but I love life, man. Um, I truly love life and, and love the fam- love my family. And um, I live for a purpose now. I, I, won't, I don't think I was living, I really wasn't living for a purpose when I was 21, 22. Like I said earlier, on my dad's side, I'm the oldest male on my dad's side. Like every, every one of my uncles, my dad, all of them died before 25. And um, like I didn't even go out on my 25th birthday. So mentally, um, it's, it's changed a lot, I would say that. The, uh, we should go back to the nightclub incident happened in 2007. And then for those three years, you had 2007, you're suspended from the NFL. 2008, you have that year in Dallas. 2009, you're out of football. Mentally, in those three years, what were you going through? Um, I was going through a lot, but man, I truly, truly, and I'm not lying when I say, I had this picture in the back of my, high, my, my head of, I know how this shit gonna end, and I know how I wanted to end. Regardless of all the bumps and bruises through, through the trials and tribulations, I always had this picture, like that exit sign back there, like, regardless of this, this how you wanted to end, and by far I can say, besides winning a playoff game, it definitely ended the way I wanted to end. Hey, Keith, when you're watching in 2007, I know you guys had, a, had an outstanding, or you made the playoffs that year in 2008. You guys were the number one overall seed. So you had this great team as teammates um, who want to lend a hand to him, but you're also playing. What was that relationship like? Uh, it wasn't, I, I feel like that year, Pac was just, MIA, he wasn't around us. You know, he was he was handling his thing and what's crazy is I'll never forget the last <laughs> I'll never forget the last game that I played with, with Pac-Man. Um was was playing New England at home and Jeff Fisher said, Look, we gotta all we have to do is win. But in order to make the playoffs, it had to be like five teams had to win, lose, whatever. And all we had to do was just win. And it was one of those scenarios, Jacksonville has to lose, Baltimore has to win, Steelers have to win, somebody has to tie. So we lost, and that whole scenario happened. But what I remember is playing the Patriots, we're in a a fight with them. They were at our house. I just remember before Kyle Vandenbosch got that penalty, I I look back, and Bill Belichick, it's going to the ref. Get his ass off the field. Get him off the field. Pac-Man back there cussing out Bill Belichick. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but it's all in. It's all in competitive nature. So I do know that we we were definitely building something because, like you said, we went to the playoffs, and then obviously other guys stepped up. Um, there's a guy uh, by the name of Cortland Finnegan who stepped into Pac-Man's role, but. Shoot, Pac told me last night that Cortland, <laughs> Cortland used to ask him questions every day and me and to the point where Pac was like, man, get the fuck away from me. You know what I'm saying? But fast forward to when Pac's not there, Cortland Finnegan had to step up and become a player, and that done comes directly from Pac-Man. Like, that feistiness that Cortland Finnegan played with, nah, he's not built like that. He's not that person, but 
Pac-Man was, and that's who we saw, and that's who we emulated his game after. We heard a little bit about how Jerry Jones stepped in and helped you out. In terms of the Titans and the NFL during those years, especially 2007, I know you had a lot of meetings with Roger Goodell. What was that experience like? Um, well, I will say this. Uh, the Titans, I did get a call from Bud. Bud, Bud did call me. I, I have much respect for Bud Adams. Um, but the rest of them, um, it is what it is. I, I love all my teammates. Um, and actually, man, I, I really do like Goodell. You know, like, regardless of, of what everybody try to make me and his situation is, I have nothing but the utmost respect for Goodell because really what he did for me might not look that he did something for me, but that helped me out. And not just as far as football. I'm talking about life. Like, really, I could be probably dead or in jail right now, either one or the two. You know what I mean? And um, I just think... I'm so thankful that he suspended me when he suspended me, you know what I mean? And I'm, I'm thankful that Instagram wasn't around either, too. Well, man, that's, and listen, we were, we were talking about this before. We were talking about this. If social media was what it was today in 2007, what happens to Adam Pac-Man Jones? Adam Pac-Man Jones, not, no, nowhere near the league, probably. Not oh just Pac-Man. Like, oh. so, so yeah. for those, uh, those so I want to go back to what you said, Jeff, about Tennessee. So on the outside looking in, I don't feel like he got the support that he needed. Um, I remember he held out, and when he came to camp, he didn't come out like everybody else. Jeff, like, remember, he put him in, uh, he hit him in a cart, and then all I know, I turn around, Pac-Man standing next to me. Like, he didn't walk outside. Jeff was kind of hiding him from the media. So I, I think that... That was in 2007? His rookie year. Uh, rookie, yeah, rookie year. What, yeah. Like, I just feel that he was coddled, whereas he might have needed the coach to be like, look, like, look now. Because what I do know is Pac-Man loved his football. He left... He left at the height of his career, although we've seen him go on and play like all this, but he left probably like, what? Number one in punt returns, you didn't go to the Pro Bowl because you was hurt. Um, but then he came back and did it, but then he took two years off of that. Like, he's the only person that I played with in Tennessee that they made plays on offense for him. And he out there scoring touchdowns on offense. But then Brad, uh, one of the linemen got a holding call and he cussed him out. <laughs> I'm passionate about everything I do, I will say that. I'll say if Twitter and Instagram were around, you might not have been the NFL, but you would have been a great wrestler. <laughs> people would have been sharing that. I don't know. I think I got the wrestling gear because of the football, but um, <laughs> the wrestling gear was, was pretty cool. Um, I, I really didn't know how athletic the wrestler was. You know, you look at it on TV, but like when you don't, that, that's, it's real work, man. And, and it's not just, oh, everything fake, because everything ain't fake. When you get hit with them chairs, that's not fake. <laughs> I'm telling y'all that first, first and foremost, when you get hit with them chairs, that is not fake. You get paid more money to get hit with chairs. If you hit somebody the wrong way with the chair, you get fined. <laughs> so there's a little bit like the NFL there. Yeah. Um, you get to Cincinnati in 2010. And I think people maybe, you know, you were so boisterous in your time in Tennessee, and then you spent eight years in Cincinnati that people might not even recognize that Adam Pac-Man Jones was in the league for those eight years. When you got to Cincinnati, how did you try to carry yourself differently during those years? Well, um, it was my last shot, and I knew that. 
and I was getting older. I just had had neck surgery. Um, so it was gonna be either you're gonna get on the train or get off, you know. And my dude told me if you keep doing the same thing, that's called insane. So I mean insanity. So why keep doing the same thing? So I just tried to channel my energy. I, I knew I didn't have that much of a run left. Did I know? Did I think I would have played eight years in Tennessee? I mean, say Cincinnati? Nah. Um, did I think I would play five or six? Yeah. Um, so it was it was different, man. It, it was it was a lot different. But you you, you got to either get on or get off. You know, it, 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 no one is gonna have as many opportunities that I had. And I'm truly a believer in that, and I know that. You know. Um, God have some in store for me that's that's bigger than what we all know because if if He didn't, I I wouldn't be here talking to y'all. Um, there's no way that a kid that's done been through everything I've been through and still got to play another eight years after that, you know. And I'm talking about not just sports wise. I'm talking about mentally, physically, you know. Um, all that that takes a part in in what you're doing, you know. Pat, <clears throat> so within that time, you say you had to give two million back. Then you had two years off. Um, what was your rookie deal? Uh, 4-4-39 or something like that. Right. So how much money would you say that you cost yourself within all your trials and tribulations? A hundred million. At least. Um, I was just talking about, um, we, I think we was talking about this. So I played really good my, my, my first year, at least at the end. In my second year, it wasn't nobody that was playing football like I was playing football. Hey, yo, um, yo, there's some Philly fans in here. You remember when we came I to Philadelphia? Oh, Philly. Oh, my God. I had one for like 82 against Philly. Oh! Hey, I, I threw up and went right back out oh, there. The there's kid. a story behind this. There's a story behind this. So, so, Pac, he takes the punt back, 89 yards. Come on the side. He like this. Throwing a, uh, uh, Like, bro, we got to go back on defense. Too much Patron last night, big bro. <laughs> Go out there and ball out. If I had a great game against Philly, though, I, w I will say that. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> for both you guys, you know, we see, and I think Pac-Man shared at the beginning, just your, your background, your growing up that people didn't even know happened in your life. Um, you guys see the way NFL players, other athletes, you know, I think they're misunderstood in a lot of ways right now. What is your advice to athletes who are coming up? And what's your, what is your message to fans in terms of the way that we should receive these athletes? See, I'm, for instance, I just use Andrew Luck for what happened. Did you see him booing when he said he was yep. retiring? You think yep. that's fair? No, it's, it's not. Oh, okay. I was just going to ask a question. <laughs> well, but, I mean, what was the question going to be? No, I'm just, I'm, I was going to relate it to what you were saying about the fans. Yeah. Well, I think that's a, you know, that's a perfect example. And we were talking before of you guys, not to break news, but it looks like Antonio Brown's going to be suspended. And, you know, you were saying Pac-Man, even it, something's going on with Antonio Brown right now. Well, I, so. I don't think it's the helmet, though. Huh? No. I don't think it's the helmet. Nah. I know it's not the helmet. So, like, you know, it, it's one of those things, man. You t we talk about AB and it, it can relate to, um, uh, like anybody, like, but we're speaking about AB and let's relate it to Pac. So AB is at the top of his game, always been at the top of his game. But I play with a lot of players like that. Like if you don't, if you're the 
the number one shot caller of your family, your crew, your clique, or whoever, your surroundings, and you don't have checks and balances within, you know, your surroundings, that's, that's what's going to happen. Nobody could tell you nothing. And I told Pac, and I told his wife last night, it wasn't until he got with his wife full-time where Pac started acting like he had some sense. Meaning in the sense where, like, we used to hang out a lot. Atlanta, South Beach, everywhere, you know what I'm saying? And like partying, partying. But look, it wasn't until <laughs> Pac got that structure that he, that he needed, you know what I'm saying? And myself, I was in foster care. So when I went into foster care at 12, 13, 14, I was coming from a different environment than I was placed in. So I was acting... Like, I don't, I don't know. I just know that, shit, my foster mom was like, look, I'm going to have to move you out. And then it's like, nah, I need to get right. You understand what I'm saying? So there's always something that makes you click and gets your head on straight sooner than later. But back to AB, I just know, because like even last year I did an internship with the Steelers. Um, you know, AB's just being AB. Uh, and, you know, John Gruden thinks that he can, you know, manipulate or coach whoever, but people are going to be who they are. And it's unfortunate because AB is a great person. Like, he is a great person. Great dude. He just doesn't have that higher up person to kind of, like, guide him and give him um, direction. So if AB was on the Dallas Cowboys right now, how would Jerry Jones handle that situation? Um, Jerry going to pay. So that's a different situation. Like, Jerry paid to make you play. So... Jerry World is Jerry. There's nobody like Jerry. Regardless of what anybody say, it's nobody like Jerry Jones. I'm talking about cash-wise and person-wise. He is a hell of a person. <laughs> I tell you that. When a, a young player or just any NFL player, if they ask you for advice on how to handle things as a professional athlete right now, what's your, what, do you tell, what do you tell people that come to you? Um, I tell them, first of all, the window is only this big, you know, um, it ain't gonna be too many Adam Pac-Man Jones the, the way he did it, you know what I mean? Because the, the window is so small, the error is so small, like everything now in sports is all about money. Like they were saying earlier, the owners had the meeting about uh, the kneeling thing, you know what I mean? Um, I was just telling man, take full advantage of the opportunity you got right now and cut, cut, cut your friends and all that shit to a minimum. If they ain't been there, fuck them. Leave them where they been at. You get what I'm saying? Because I came from a situation where when I got all my money, you know what I mean? I go back to home, to the projects, then everybody want to come. Then we in Miami, and when we should have been only like three or four of us, it's goddamn 17 of us. Entourage. You know what I mean? Then you go from spending five, 6000 to 35000 So um, just know your surroundings, man. Stay true to yourself, and, and don't let this football shit change you as a person because this shit is fairytale as a motherfucker because no it is for real like for real this shit is fairytale and if you don't handle your shit the way you're supposed to you're gonna be thinking that you're above and beyond everybody else which you're not because you're the same motherfucker that's got to put on your drawers and your pants like everybody else you get what i'm saying so treat people how you want to be treated man and because you never know who you're gonna you you're gonna need you know what i mean and that as far as a favor or somebody to talk about some or right down the road in business so that's what i would tell them man stay true to yourself man keep your circle small and just love who if they ain't been there they don't need to be there man that's what i did 
that's what happened with the, the Giants, the Miami picture a couple of years ago, because social media was around. They got the, uh, the Timberlands <laughs> on the boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good thing for no social media. <laughs> Didn't need that. Uh, in terms of players who, like, like guys like Keith, guys around, who are around you when you were playing, when you were in your, your darkest moment, your deepest moment within the league, who were some guys, whether they were on the Titans, elsewhere, who were some people that stepped in that gave you a shoulder to lean on? Um, really, I had a couple phone calls, but, like, I really wasn't trying to hear them from nobody. Like, like I said, like, keep, I wasn't hitting them. I was really about ready to fight half of them. Um, but, no, nah, Keith might be the only one, that, the only one. Um, I had a couple other friends, but um, you just, when shit hit the fans, you really see. Um, like, I, I don't, I'm not scared to say this. For instance, like, me and Lindell was really close. Like, we still close to this day, but, like, when I went through what I went through, it wasn't like Lindell was, was calling me, hey, Pac, you all right? But when I w was on the team, he was at my house every day, driving all my cars every day, smoking my weed after practice, you know what I'm saying? I got to tell the niggas, stay out my weed, but time I got suspended, <laughs> I couldn't even find him, you know what I mean? Now, now we, we associates, we, we acquaintances, but it's cool. But like, and like I tell him, I'm like, look, bro, you know, I, I don't forget nothing, but I forgive you, you know what I mean? Ain't no hard feelings or nothing. Like, I still love you and everything, but I know, I know deep down in my soul, there was only probably 10 people that thought that I would even be alive right now. You know what I mean? Um, better yet, in jail probably. So um, it, it's funny, you know how it is. Yeah. You just look back hindsight and then I just, I, just, I just take the good with the bad, man. And that, that I'm a real big believer in treating people how you want to be treated because you never know what, we, we don't know what God got in plan for nobody, you know what I'm saying? So, just treat people how you want to be treated and it, it'll come back to you, I guess. Hey, um, real quick, it's funny, <clears throat> we used to say, like when you, when you was on the team, when you like get into something and shit, I remember maybe being around sticks or some of, you know, like, not all football players just hang out with football players, you know what I'm saying? So we have mutual friends that's, you know, local celebrities, whatever, and we talking about, we, there used to be a saying, look, Pac, once Pac-Man makes CNN, he made it. <laughs> Pac-Man made CNN. <laughs> okay. Outside of, I know we were talking about the messing up and you know, getting back on your feet, but just as an NFL player, I mean, those, those Titans teams that you guys had, you know, it seems like just in those two seasons, you guys have all these memories. What, were, what, was, the, what was the fun of playing in the Man, NFL? I just yeah. hate that I got, well, yeah, I do. I hate I got suspended the year. I wish I'd have got suspended the year after that. Because <laughs> I truly think that I was the reason why they didn't do what they were supposed to do that next year. We had a, Coach Fisher had did an unbelievable job of, of getting the talent in there that we had. Um, I remember talks where we, me and Keith, I got everybody at the house when um, uh, what was the quarterback before uh, VY? Uh, Billy Volick. Yeah, I had to go. I had to get the whole captain team. I'm like, look, man, I love Billy, but we gotta get Volick out of there, bro. <laughs> we need VY. So like, <laughs> and um, like I was gonna say like Kerry that, Collins. That, I didn't even remember. Yeah, Kerry Collins was there too. Um, but talks like talks with the captains with with Keith with uh, Val, um, Cal Vanderbosch. Um, 
those are the times that that I've been like, damn, man, I, I fucked it up for them. But you know, things happen for a reason. Um, it is what it is. Well, there was another guy that you know, kind of same sort of. He fucked it up. Vince Young. I mean, was coming in at the time and and you know had all these accolades and he came in like a fireball, you know, right at the beginning, had an outstanding rookie season. It was a lot of, was a lot of the reason for that. What was young Vince Young like? Young VY, he was, anytime, anytime you wanted them top 10 picks, top, like he was number three, Pac was number six. So you're already a dynamic player. And Jeff Fisher, what I will say, he's gonna put you in position to, you know, have success normally. Um, VY knew that not everybody was on his side, starting with the top, but he didn't care. You know, he had a certain mentality, let's get it done. And then when he got in there, I think it was week six, motherfucker went on and won rookie of the year, um, and then came back next year, you know, um, and was on top of the world. And actually, that's the year that I think we went 13 and three. And um, VY just kind of played the back because um, of the immaturity. And it's kind of something to what I speak to about with um, Antonio Brown. When you're the top dog, I got two older brothers. I have 14, um, my oldest brother is 14 years older than me and my other older brother is eight years older than me. So like growing up um, in Rockland County, like when I, they, I was in foster care, they lived in the neighborhood that we grew up in. So when they would see me over there, not with them, I would take my ass back to where I belong. But now I belong up, nah, not today you don't. Not, you know what I'm saying? I was only allowed to go to the neighborhood with them, not because of they were scared for me, they were scared for me of the elements. So with that being said, I had that early. You know what I'm saying? So I had that instilled with me. And a lot of guys like um, Jonathan said it before, Pac said it, we come from these environments where you don't have a lot of supervision, you don't have a lot of people, you know, really telling you what to do or giving you direction in the right direction. So that's what I would say. Well, that's with, with AB, you know, Mike Mayock um, trades for him, now is suspending him. Um, and it almost, it makes me wonder, and obviously he's a veteran, this is not a, a, a rookie, but are there certain situations where guys are just set up to fail because they don't necessarily, you know, because Keith, you talked about that immaturity, are there situations where it's just going to fail? Nah, AB's different. He's the best wide receiver in the world. The best. <laughs> so it's like, that's, that's the athlete ego. I'm the best wide receiver in the world. Mike Mayock, you was just on fucking NFL Network. What are you talking to me about? A conversation might have went something like that. <laughs> Probably exactly like that. Um, yeah, when, when you when you at that, that, that elite level, um, it's no more of like, all right, coach can say, like, no, nah, coach, you stay your ass over there. I'm going to play the game. Because it's not like in, in, in college. You get what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, we get paid to do one thing, to perform. And we don't perform, they're going to figure out somebody else that can do it. You get what I'm saying? So you still, you're, I believe you're 35 years old, Pac-Man. 36. 36. Right, I'm not giving you one Being year old, short. Man. Um, what is next for you in life? Um... Next is is just keep doing what I'm doing. Basically, um, I have two restaurants. Um, like I said, I have um, trucks. I got this and that. I'm working on a comic book that I just just got through with me and my wife. Um, life is great, man. I, I'm just living through my kids. I have three beautiful kids, two girls, um, 13 and nine, and I have a 20 month 21 month year old that's exactly like his daddy. 
Um, so man, I, I'm I'm just blessed to be here. I don't take no days for granted. I'm thankful, and um, I'm just living, bro. I'm 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 enjoying every bit of it too. <laughs> Would you ever consider something in football again? I'm not coaching. I already had jobs. <laughs> I'm not doing no coaching unless I'm coaching my son. Um, I, I had an offer to go to Oakland to play football at the beginning of the year. I turned it down. I had a job offer to go coach and do a, um, what they call it, like a intern. intern. Um, that's not for me. Um, I've done what I'm going to do for the game of football as far as playing and coaching. Um, maybe one day when my kids get of age, I'll coach. But um, it's a lot of time, man. And, Seeing my youngest son now, now that I'm home every day and getting to see the first words, getting to him run around, getting to ride him on a four-wheeler every day, um, it, it reminds me of so much that I miss with my other girl. So um, I'm just trying to channel that energy into him right now, you know what I'm saying, and my girls and my family, and um, live like I'm broke and, and, and be rich. No <laughs> hey, live like you broke, ball like you not. Um, Don, we got time for questions? Yeah, that's what I'm okay. Questions, yeah. Um, I'm sure some people have some things to ask. Pac, I think it's great, great courage for you guys to get up there, throwing the ego aside and educating us all. Quick question for you, Pac. Um, and based on where you were then and now, the programs at West Virginia to get you guys along and equipped um, mentally, emotionally, make sure your finances are right, all that stuff that hits you when you come out of West Virginia. What were the programs like then? Were there any? And do you guys have any friends or people that you know now that have kids that are in big programs that have these type of people to work with the kids so they're ready for life after? Division one, the bigger programs? Well, you got to realize, man, everything in sports is about money. Like the NCAA is making all this money not paying these kids nothing. So you know damn well they ain't finna give us a program to teach you how to save the money. Um, and well, they I, shouldn't be paying the kids the, with the they money. Should be. They should afterward be. Afterward for the jersey sales and the stipends. But during, and how, how would they differentiate that? I mean, how do you pay the superstar like Zion more than the women's volleyball player? Like, how do you distinguish? I mean, that's another argument, but. Well, I, you, I, you well basketball and football, and, and I'm not trying to get into different things, but right. I think it should be a set base with what the kids get. You get what I'm saying? Like, for instance, every kid that's on scholarship, they might get $1,400, I, I think what it is. Well, add another $1,000 on it so they can get $2,400 for the month. Are they going to be ready? Are they going to be equipped, too, to pay taxes afterward with that money? You, you said you had trouble I'm when that money sure. was coming I, in. I mean, I'm, when they get the money in college, they take the taxes out already, man. Uh, well, <laughs> so, so, like, so I see what you're saying. So, like, it's, it's, it's one of those, it's, it's, one of those things, if, if you're talking about NCAA, that's a total different conversation. And to what Pac said, like, they're not trying to get you ready. Why wouldn't the NFL have these situations in place for these guys? Right. Why, wouldn't the, why wouldn't the NFL give these guys the opportunity to tap into their businesses, their sponsorships, their resources? Right. Look, um, you leave as... You know, you have six figures. You have uh, some guys have seven figures. Now some guys are making nine figures by the time that they're done. So then you're done at 30, 31, 32, sitting with this pile of change, and nobody's giving you instructions where to go, what to do, how to invest. 
that's why you hear all these stories right, about broke NFL ESPN being. thirty for thirty. Because that, that's, that was my biggest thing. It's like you see these people all ended up in so much trouble. Who's getting them ready for life? You know, and, and to handle all that that's coming. Hey, you better grow up fast. Man. Right. Like I said, the best thing that could have happened to me was getting suspended because I, this time I was way more prepared, you get what I'm saying, than when they suspended me the first time. So um, I'm just thankful that I, I, I learned my lesson through pain and suffering. You get what I'm saying? I had to go the hard way. Like, where I, the next guy right, but what I'm saying is, as as hopefully as parents, because they the programs ain't gonna put nothing in place for you. It's nowhere. That. It's it's like you owning a, a Fortune 500 company. You ain't gonna have a uh, let's just say Jill right here that work for you. Hey Jill, I got my financial advisor right here. I'm a, he gonna talk to you how to save your money. That's that, they just it just don't happen like that. Just don't tell anyone that he took money as a teenager playing youth football. We don't need the NCAA coming It, it don't that. matter. <laughs> Statue of limitations. Uh, hey, um, Adam, um, just listening to you up there, man, your story is very impactful. Uh, we missed each other in Dallas. Keith is one of my boys, so I get a chance to talk to Keith a lot. And, you know, one thing about Keith is uh, he's always been wise beyond his years and uh, in-depth, just talking about life, uh, sports, uh, just business. But one of the things I want both of you guys to talk about is I think a lot of guys that come into sports or especially men, young men, and you talked about your father necessarily maybe not being there or passing away before you were a certain age. I know Keith grew up in foster care. I didn't have a father around. But necessarily the importance of having some type of a male figure or somebody, a mentor, whether it's you know, in high school, at the collegiate level, or especially in the pros to kind of give you the balance that we're, we've been talking about, but just kind of discuss the importance of that for a man in itself. Well, I wish I had one a little younger, you know what I mean? Um, because mentally how I was thinking was, how can somebody tell me something at 18 when they couldn't help me at 12? How do I go from listening to Joe Blow when I was in the project my whole life running around trying to get food just so we could eat at night? So I think it's, 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 a, it's a give or take. Um, I really think we need to have more programs for the youth and not just the inner cities. Uh, I'm talking about in some of these wealthy neighborhoods too because we have a lot of wealthy people that don't have conversation with their kids. like. We was talking in the back, like, it's not just the inner city kids that's, that's missing this. You get what I'm saying? Um, I think it's a big issue, if you ask me, because once a kid get to a certain age and his, 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 his alpha male start kicking in, if it ain't the right person, he ain't going to want to hear it. I would say, yeah, it's important. I alluded to my, um, my older brothers. Um, they were definitely... You know, what I respected about them is they never acted as my father. They were always, you know, giving me advice from an older brother perspective. And then when I got to a certain age, I remember my brother telling me it's not too much that he could tell me now because I, when I went to school. It's not too much I could tell you. I could just continue to guide you if you have these questions. And then, you know, I got into certain things in college here, there, and the other. Um, and I had them to lean on to tell me the right from wrong, you know, just to talk through those situations. But if you don't have that, you're just going to go through it and keep going through it. And you're going to get to a point, like Pac said, your alpha male is going to kick in. And shit, Kanye made it, what? Can't nobody tell me nothing. 
nobody's going to be able to tell you nothing until you get into some real shit right. and you have to really sit down and evaluate what you want to do with your life, who you want to be, and where you want to go. Hello? Okay. Pac-Man, how was playing for Marvin Lewis? Uh, Marvin was cool. Uh, Marvin was probably one of the most, uh, I would say he by far was the clo closest head coach that I had, him and Fisher. Um, but he was a great coach. Um, he, I think he really cared about the, the growth of, of the kids and, and the grown-ups, I should say, um, that he's coaching. We have maybe two more. Anybody? Just who was the coach in Dallas when you were there? Uh, uh, Wade, Wade, yeah, Phillips. I almost forgot. Coach Wade, that was my guy too. He was, he was, he was a good coach. Very soft smoking. Um, he expects you to get the job done. He only yelled on third downs. So. <laughs> right. Hey, so when the Colin Kaepernick situation rolled out, <laughs> rest assured, I'm one of the executive producers from halftime at the Super Bowl last five years. I just terminated my contract last year, but I wanted you to know when that transition was happening and you saw how that was trickling down. Did you feel, based on your experience with team owners like Jerry Jones, that possibly uh, black men were more in solitude, no matter how much you made, versus men that aren't African-American? All right, let's, let's get to this, because I'm so tired of this fucking Kaepernick thing. All right, so let's, let's go. First of all, Kaepernick is not 100% black. That's first and foremost. That's the first thing. Second of all, what was, do anybody, can, can anybody tell me the main reason why he kneeled? Do y'all know, what, what, what was the reason he yelled for? I mean, kneeled for? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What'd you say? That is not why he kneeled. Who else? Do anybody else know? Okay. Do anybody else know? Don't nobody know exactly what he kneeled for. So how do you, first of all, if you're going to do something, let's just say if we, if we got a reason that we need to kneel, first you need to get with your teammates or either with some of the top guys on each other team. You get what I'm saying? All right. Second of all, if you're going to kneel, let's have the main reason why we're kneeling, not four, five, six different reasons. Because he been standing up for the song. The shit been racist the last 20 years. He still been standing up for the song. Third thing. Once, this is the biggest problem I have with the Kaepernick thing. So Kaepernick kneeled, right? Nike paid him, right? NFL paid him, right? All right. Did Kaepernick call any of the other players that didn't, wasn't able to get a job after that and ask them did they want to die? No. When Jay-Z when Jay-Z just did the thing with the NFL, who was mad? Cabernet. You know why? Because he's not the face of that shit no more. He's an eye guy. And if he wasn't an eye guy, it would be different. That'll go your answer. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Keith, I think we got our sound bite for the uh, I event. forgot what the question I even <laughs> forgot what the question was. <laughs> uh, I would say 
I don't even, I don't even know. Pat, <laughs> hey, Pat did a great job with that one. <laughs> All right, do we have time for one more? Uh, let's do one more if anybody has one. All right, we'll take one up front, and then uh, we'll bring uh, Robin and the rest of the crew up. I just want to keep it light. What was some of the dirtiest plays you ever played with? The dirtiest? Probably, I'm one of them. I'm one of them by far. Um, me, if I can name three, and don't take this the wrong way, fucking Vanderbosch, man, I, man, when I used to play with Vanderbosch, he used to chase people down the field, no matter how far they was, and swipe them like, boom. And like, Vanderbosch was pretty strong, but he was, I ain't gonna say dirty, but he just played with a lot of grit. Um, I would say Vontez is, is one. I gotta put Burford out there. Uh, my last one will probably be um, uh, uh, 92 for Pittsburgh. Uh, James Harrison. James, James Harrison. Harrison. Yeah. <clears throat> well, shit, I guess I gotta, I guess I gotta say Albert. Albert oh, yeah, stopped on far. somebody's face. I forgot about Albert. <laughs> Um, Dirty, uh, I played with an offensive tackle, uh, Brian, uh, Stewart, number 76, Brian Stewart, big country, we used to call him big country. Um, I don't know, I didn't really pay attention really too much, but I know those two dudes are definitely, offense and defense that I played will definitely get after it on some, on some bullshit that if it was done to me, would be a problem. Dirtiest player, oh shit, Richie Incognito. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? My guy Richie. Um, against, uh, I can't even, I was so mad, I can't even think this motherfucker's name. Um, he wore number 87 for the Jets. Coles? No, not him, the other one. The uh, Decker? No, it wasn't Decker. Clowny. That's that CT. I can't man. think of his name. It's the, <laughs> It's the headaches, I'm sorry. I'm gonna think of it. Jeff, Jeff, you got anything to add? I do not. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for, for coming uh, out. Good night, God bless. Awesome. Yeah. Give Thank a round you of guys. applause. That was great. Hey, you got a